Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is David Sitton. David, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Well, I'm a, uh, an American. I live in uh, the middle part of the United States of America in a little country town called Memphis, Tennessee. It's an overgrown country town of about a million people. I work for a Christian radio station called Bot Radio Network. Uh, we do Christian programming on about 123 stations around America, uh, strictly Bible teaching. And uh, I have a hobby, which is a hobby called triathlon where you swim bike and you run and it's just a little platform to uh, propagate and share the gospel and for people that listen to this they want to find out more about where you're working where can they do that the uh, website for a bot radio network is b-o-t-t bot radio r-a-d-i-o network n-e-t-w-o-r-k so it's bot radio network.com uh, live streaming 24-7 with the uh, Christian programming. Okay, and I'll put that link in the description so if people listening, they can go there and head straight to the link. So we're interested in a lot of things. I mean, we could talk to you for around lots of subjects, but I want to just pick up on one thing which caught our attention the very early days when we knew you, this thing called the Iron Man. Now, before we start talking about your involvement, how did you come to have an interest in that what led you to start thinking about taking part in it because I used to like sport but Iron Man would not have been on my radar maybe so, he might just be a sucker for punishment I don't know I don't know <laughs> so, so how did you start on this what, what set you off well I uh, was a um, an, an athlete in high school I played football baseball ran track and uh, you know ran just to keep conditioned as I went to the University of Memphis and then I had a, a personal uh, conversion with uh, Jesus Christ in 1977, uh, repented of my sins, invited the, the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my life. And I'd always had it in the back of my mind a, a respect uh, for the temple that the Lord had given me. I mean, I, I drugged and drank and things of that nature. I never stuck any needles in my arms, but I always had a, a respect of not uh, wanting to destroy this this temple that the Lord had given me. And when I got saved in 77, I uh, uh, immediately started getting discipled. And in the early 80s, I, I was asked to uh, serve on staff with a sports ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in Memphis. And it's an international uh, sports ministry, fca.org, where you use a platform of uh, athletics to propagate the gospel. And so uh, I served in that capacity for about 10 years. And in, in 1990, I was working for an evangelist, uh, Jerry Johnston, and we were visiting an ophthalmologist in Tampa, Florida, who was a friend of mine that was the second largest landowner in the state of Florida. He owned the largest uh, uh, outpatient eye clinic uh, in America, seeing about 500 patients a day. And he purchased a uh, an event called the Ironman. It was called the World Triathlon Corporation doing business as the Ironman. And uh, 
The Ironman is an event. It's an ultra endurance event where a individual swims 2.4 miles, then transitions to a bike and does a 112 mile bike and then uh, warms down with a 26.2 mile marathon. And in 1990, as I was visiting him with this uh, uh, evangelist, uh, he asked me to uh, help market the event. And so what ended up happening, the Ironman was uh, placed on every continent except Antarctica. And then the world championship has been going on in Kona, Hawaii, which is a large island in Hawaii for the last, uh, you know, 30 something years. But uh, I felt like if I was going to market uh, an event like the Ironman, I needed to at least, uh, you know, do a triathlon. So I did my first uh, sprint triathlon in uh, March of 1990, borrowed his bike, a titanium bike, and actually did the world championship in October in Kona, Hawaii. So I, I felt like I needed to keep doing that in order to add credibility and trying to market the Ironman. So uh, the next four years, I competed in uh, Kona, Hawaii in the World Tri Triathlon Championship and then did Ironman Canada four times up in British Columbia, Penticton, and then Ironman Florida three times, and then another Ironman distance race, Great Floridian. And then over the last 25 years, it had accumulated to about 200 triathlons, uh, five New York City marathons, five Boston marathons. But I'm not I'm not a professional athlete. I'm just an amateur. I, I, I have a regular 40-hour-a-week job like everybody else. I just – everybody has 168 hours in the week, and I just carved out about 18 to 22 hours a week to train uh, to do an Ironman because it takes about eight months to get to the starting line in order to – finish the the race you have 17 hours to compete an Ironman race if you want a medal so it starts at seven in the morning and if you can cross the finish line by midnight that night uh, they give you a medal and if you don't cross by midnight you don't get a medal but uh, I'm an able-bodied uh, triathlete the, the real storylines are the uh, men and women that are double amputees that maybe have lost their legs in a war situation or someone that's blind that does a triathlon or somebody that's overcome cancer or somebody that has some kind of really uh, an amputee type situation, you know, maybe a one-armed person swimming or uh, somebody that's crippled that, uh, that goes the distance. And, and there's a lot of different age groups. Uh, the uh, man that I competed with and helped, uh, he helped train me he was 82 years old. And at age 57, uh, Jim Ward had thrown down his cigarettes. He said he wasn't going to smoke anymore. And at age uh, 65, his wife bought him a bicycle. Age 68, he did his first triathlon. And at age 82, he ended up becoming the oldest competitor to complete and compete in the Ironman uh, in regulation time. So there's a lot of really interesting storylines out there. So I tell people it's never too late to get started in, in – uh, a training program this man you know didn't start till he was 65 wow i mean hearing about that guy makes me feel really lazy yeah right? well, the way david's talking i mean he's he's talking like and i went to the shops and then yeah. i i caught a bus to here and then i did a bit of shopping yeah and just there. to warm down i just went do a, for a walk around the a park sprint for 20 miles yeah. i mean he, you're just saying it's so laid back i'm sitting here exhausted listening to you and, and people probably can't see you but you're just laid back saying it i mean 
At best, that is really impressive. I, I used to be an athlete. I belong to the Association of Christian Athletes too, but, but the thought of doing all that is, I'm a sprinter, let's do this thing, let's get it over with, get to the finish line and then go and have a cup of tea. That is incredible. I mean, how, how did you even start? Here you are, you're not fit, presumably. You, 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 but he you, was an athlete. Well, he was an athlete. But a different kind. I mean, a it's different a very sort. different kind of and athlete. And he's, he's offered this, asked to go and promote this thing. And it reminds me of saying you can't practice, you can't preach practice. what you've not practiced, yeah. you know. And then you say, right, I think I'll do it. What was the first well, thing you did? I think a, a lot of uh, a lot of athletic competition is is mental. I mean, even a, a golfer, a finesse golfer, even someone like Tiger Woods, uh, you have to have a mental uh, capacity to stay focused. Uh, Lance Armstrong, when they, uh, you know, Lance, you know, was uh, confessed to, you know, uh, blood doping and some enhancement, but he still won the. Uh, the, the Tour de France seven times after testosculer cancer. And to me, he was still an overcomer because he overcame cancer. He was on his deathbed, 50-50, he's going to make it. And a reporter asked uh, Lance Armstrong one day, what was the most important piece of equipment that he had? And he said, the scale. Because, you know, he, the, the lighter he kept his body weight and the weight of his bicycle, the easier it was for him to climb a hill. So to me, uh, I, my, my, my mantra our motto is the pain of discipline is sweeter than the pain of regret. So, you know, everybody has 168 hours in the week. You know, you may have a family, you may have a job, you may have a lot of, you know, other activities, but everyone has to carve out time uh, in their week to do what they're passionate about. And to me, discipline from a triathlon training carries over into my spiritual life where if I'm disciplined in running, swimming, biking, then I need to be just that disciplined in, you know, reading the word of God and praying mm. and, and, and disciplining my body in a spiritual sense, because it's really easy to get it out of balance and uh, it, but it does carry over. So I think there's a real strong um, correlation when you compartmentalize your, uh, your, your hours every week. I mean, everybody has the same amount of time every week, that 168 hours, and it's how you use it. I mean, uh, you, you cut out the television or you cut out hanging out late. I, I tell people you can't soar with the eagles if you hoot with the owls. So if you're going to be out late at night, it's going to be hard to get up and get a 5 a.m. run or a bike or swim. So you're going to, you can't burn the candle at both ends. And it's the same way in ministry. You've got to, uh, balance it's like i tell people like a bicycle uh you you can have uh streamers you can have bells you can have whistles you can have everything on the uh, uh the bike but there's one thing you got to do and that's to keep keep balance and it, the the athlete and the christian has to keep balance you can't be over um I mean, you can't focus on one thing and, and it's going to leave. You're not going to be able to ride down the road if you don't have balance on that bicycle. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's um, that the discipline of, of sacrificing parts of your life in order to achieve a goal uh, is, I guess, a lot of people might struggle with that in various areas. Um, 
is that something that's become easier as you've done it? Is it, is it still, I guess once you do or you start doing it, it becomes muscle memory for you, uh, being able to give up well, you know, regular things in life it, to do that? Well, you have challenges along the way. Uh, a little over two years ago, I was uh, actually on my bike with my wife. We were on a green line, which is a former railroad path that they uh, a railroad that they had, had paved to uh, make it a bike path. And vehicles aren't supposed to be on it. Uh, it it runs in Memphis. You probably you may have even been on it. And a lady was on her cell phone, preoccupied, and uh, came across the bike path and hit me. And that uh, broke both my arms, separated my shoulders. I was laid up. And so I was uh, rehabbing for the last 18 months. And, um, you know, I still feel like I needed to get back out on the bike and start training again. So even though you have setbacks, uh, you know, even I'm 68 years old. So, I mean, it's, your body heals a little bit slower than you are if you're in your 30s or 40s. But anyway, uh, that's part of the Christian life is being an overcomer more than a conqueror. And you don't let, uh, you know, setbacks uh, stop you from where you're trying to get to. And, and I, I have signed up for... Ironman Memphis here in October. It's a half Ironman race. I actually signed up for it last year, but but due to COVID, there was no uh, triathlon competitions or Ironman, Ironman competitions anywhere in the world in 2020 because nobody could travel. Uh, the travel industry was pretty much shut down. Even the race, the world championship in Kona was postponed till this year, or even the Olympics. So it was just like everybody had a whole year to, to regroup. So the accident really happened at a good time. I mean, I had the whole year to, to rehab and to, to train. So um, I'm coming back, hopefully, and be able to compete in a, an Ironman, half Ironman race uh, this coming fall. Would this be the first socially distanced Ironman? Yeah. <laughs> so what's the story we wanted to hear, Andrew, about? Well, um, you were talking earlier about um, amputees and people that have been involved with these Ironmans. And I know of one story uh of you getting maybe more acquainted with one of them than you had probably anticipated um in kona is it kona hawaii um and you were competing but ended up helping someone who got into trouble can you tell us that story well we there's a a, a really a gifted uh motivational speaker here in america called bob whelan he's a vietnam veteran double amputee he stepped on a 82 millimeter mortar uh, in Vietnam and lost his legs above the knees. And Bob uh, got down to, you know, less than 100 pounds in body weight. And then he started rehabbing uh, uh, after his amputation. His first goal was to be able to sit up in bed. Then he wanted to be able to at least uh, curl a, a telephone book. And then he finally got to the point where he could. Uh, bench press over 500 pounds tying his torso to the bench and bob is the individual that walked across america on his arms to bring attention to the vietnam veteran and he averaged five miles a day almost took him four years well bob competed in the new york city the the, the boston marathon the marine corps marathon and when he did the new york city marathon it took him four days and uh there was twenty five thousand runners in the race and Four days later, the media was at the finish line and 
they put the microphones in front of him and uh, they said, how's it finish to feel dead last out of 25,000 runners? And he said, well, I didn't finish dead last. He said, I finished in front of 300 million Americans that never entered the race. So he kept it in perspective. Well, back in the early 90s, we were out in Kona, Hawaii. Uh, I was actually doing the marketing for the Ironman. And the Ironman, uh, back then, they were a little bit more hesitant letting physically challenged athletes into the race because they thought they may interfere with the, the able body triathletes. So the day before the race, we uh, actually went out and rented a kayak and uh, went out into the water. And he was going to swim the 2.4 miles. He was going to hand crank the 112 mile bike and then walk the marathon on his arms. And he had actually competed in the Ironman in 88 doing that. But because of the, uh, I guess, the uh, liability of maybe him being out on the, uh, the run course at night, somebody running over him and there's no street lights in Kona. Uh, there's just, you know, the, the, the full moon. They always have the Ironman on the closest Saturday to the full moon in October so that you'll have a little bit of light. But anyway, we went out to do the swim and uh, uh, I was in a kayak just to try to uh, make sure that the current didn't get him. And uh, sure enough, he was out in the water about three hours and he couldn't get back in the shore. And uh, we had to tow him back in uh, by him grabbing a rope at the kayak. We got in and left the kayak on the beach, did the 112-mile bike, and uh, did the actual marathon. And we came back to get the kayak, and somebody had stolen it. So it had cost us $1,000 to replace the kayak. But had, had we not had the kayak out in the water that day, we never would have been able to get him back to shore. But, uh, you know, he had – you know, dodged an 82 millimeter mortar in Vietnam and lived through that and walked across America on his arms. And he's just an, an overcomer in spirit, but he's a great, great motivational speaker. So those are the kind of stories that, uh, you know, keep it in perspective, you know, blind people that, that do the Ironman, they have someone that helps them meander back and forth in the water. And then they have them on a leash, uh, on the marathon and have them on a tandem bike on, on the, uh, on the, on the bike aspect of it mm. yeah you see people who sort of smash world records and things like that and it's like that's inspiring um but there's something about these stories about these people that just won't let these things keep them down um which is it is the most inspiring thing and uh very challenging challenging personally as well um but the things that maybe we just let keep us down uh, and we struggle to overcome those things it's like man look at these people if they can do these things then then there's no reason why we couldn't either and you think in scripture how often it tells us to be overcomers and endure to the end i mean that could have been written for for iron man just endure to the end and be an overcomer i mean mm. so much we could learn from this so do you have any yeah, other go ahead no, i was to say do you have any other stories you can share with us well, you know, the, the whole Olympics, you know, there's there's the regular Olympics and then there's actually a Paralympics. They have another whole Olympics that usually follows a week later of uh, world class athletes that uh, most of them are amputees or have some type of uh, limitation and they compete against each other. And to me, that's the real um, 
stories or the 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 ones that that, that aren't able bodied but have physical challenges. So it's it's like life, you know. It's not the people that, that get to the top, but the people that overcome you know, the different challenges, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a financial challenge, whatever it is. And, and God's mighty, mighty, mighty grace is what enables uh, so many uh, of us to be able to uh, get down to the finish line. And that's because, uh, you know, the, we realize that it, it's really not us. It's the Lord moving and living and and motivating us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you said that you did this, you saw it as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, presumably within that world. Has it opened up doors for you as you hoped it did? Yeah, we would, uh, we would, most, most Ironman events, people come in a couple days early, uh, just to, you know, get on the course and train on it. Uh, we would try to hold, uh, a, a event the day prior, we would call it iron prayer. We would provide uh, breakfast bagels, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and a Christian triathlete shares testimony, try to reach the families, uh, just always a good network of, uh, it's, it's, it's a real unique network. You can't, I mean, you can be a drunk and be a golfer. You can be a drunk and be a pro soccer player. You can be a drunk or a drug addict and be a, just about an athlete in any sport, but triathlon, you're just working against yourself. If you're, if you're abusing your, your privileges uh, with, a, with any kind of substance abuse and yeah, and there, there's still some, you know, triathletes that may pop a drug test, just like the, Recent Kentucky Derby, I think the horse tested positive after the uh, the Kentucky Derby last week, and they they've got to get a second test on that. But and it, it, he, the horse may be you know uh, exonerated. I don't know, but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's just a matter of uh, you, you know it's more than just the training; it's nutrition too. It's it's sort of like a a Christian. It's it's more than uh, I tell people it's, it's not everybody in America is under the word, but not everybody is in the word. And it's sort of like nutrition uh, or watching a video. You can watch how to swim. You can watch how to bike. You can watch how to run. But until you actually get out and exercise and train, it's like the church. You know, you can come on Sunday, but until you actually get out and, uh, you know, feed yourself and get actively engaged in things outside the church on Sunday morning, are you really going to uh, grow or discipline yourself or, or, or have a, a change in your lifestyle? So it, it's definitely, a, to me, it's a spiritual journey that, that, that coincides with uh, your physical training. So it, 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 I think it goes hand in hand. And it's real easy to get lackadaisical on your spiritual nutrition by not feeding yourself daily with the word of God. And it's real easy uh, in physical nutrition to eat things outside your, your diet. And, you know, if you gain weight, it's going to work against you. And I think a lot of times we get spiritually fat too. We can get too much of something and not really work it off in the spiritual realm. We get, we get too deep in the word or we get too deep in, 
knowledge and we're not applying what we what we know and what we hear. It says be doers of the word, not hearers only. So before we finish, am I right in remembering that you also have taken part in is it Christians in sport? Were you taking sport out and using it as a means of a tool for evangelism in the nations amongst young people? Yeah, there's a uh, there was a company I worked with for ten years called Barnhart Crane and Rigging, and their focus was a ten forty window North Africa, Middle East, Southeast Asia. So I worked with a uh, a group of uh, athletes. Uh, under the umbrella of the international sports coalition. And we did a lot of leadership training in the middle East. We'd go to Egypt, Cairo, uh, El Wadi out in the desert with the Casa del Bar uh, church in Cairo. And we would take probably 12 Arab nations at a time, maybe two or 300 athletes and train them for a week in leadership training uh, we did the same thing in South Korea for Southeast Asia. So just regionally in the 1040 window, we would go in and do leadership training uh, with the athletes, knowing that they had a, a great multiplication influencing factor uh, within their country. Uh, we had athletes from Sri Lanka, from India, China, uh, all over that uh, would come to these leadership trainings. So that was, that was a real blessing the last 10 years, still somewhat involved with that uh, a little bit more limited now because of COVID because everything has been zoomed the last uh, year, but uh, we, we still contact. I, I was taking a friend of mine to the airport this morning. I was just getting a really great ministry report from Cuba and uh, Cuba is pretty much uh, locked down still been down there a couple of times recently and this is a former baseball player that's got a great, great network in Cuba with about 350 pastors. And we try to go down there and support him to support the pastors. So uh, just a lot of these pastors that are athletes have a background like in Cuba. They use baseball as a, as a tool to reach uh, their communities uh, through baseball. So we always take at baseball players down with us with a bunch of equipment and leave the equipment and uh try to provide some practical means soccer, you know, being the number one sport in the world and then cricket. Number two, we um, hosted the international soccer tournament here in Memphis the last seven years, trying to reach the international demographics of uh, Memphis. Cause we have four large uh, corporations. It's world headquarters are here. FedEx world headquarters is based in Memphis. AutoZone's world headquarters is based in Memphis. International papers world headquarters is based in Memphis. And we have, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Lebanon. We have a big, a, a large medical community. So you have a real large international demographics in, in most metropolitan cities. And so we use soccer as a means to uh, reach um, the international demographics uh, through a, uh, an annual soccer tournament. And uh, we had 16 teams last year. Most of them were the 1040 window, India, Pakistan, uh, we had North and South Sudan actually play on one team. As you know, they're at war with each other. It'd be like North and South Korea playing together. And uh, we, we've got um, just a really unique opportunity to hand out Bibles in their language. If it's uh, a, a Brazilian team, we give them Portuguese Bibles. Uh, we have Mexican teams, we give them Spanish Bibles. We have Chinese teams, they get Chinese 
scriptures and we uh, try to, uh, it, it's really been a blessing. It's called the uh, Memphis Cup of Nations, uh, or Cup of Nations Memphis. And we're planning right now to host this in October uh, here again at, at Bellevue. And it's, it's just really been a great uh, blessing to be able to buy a couple cases of Arabic Bibles and give them out to half the players that come are Muslim. So we're reaching the, the Muslim uh, demographics also, but they know it's a Christian soccer tournament, but they listen. I, it's not very often that I hear an American say cricket, and I'm not sure how many Americans listening would even know what cricket is. Um, so it's quite interesting. Uh, for those that don't know, Google it. It's hard to explain. It's like <laughs> baseball, but it's not. Um, and yeah, three, for- three, billion, three, three billion people in the world either watch or play cricket. It's, it's, it's phenomenal, the, the, the magnitude that the British have had on cricket globally, you know, it's a yeah. really, yeah, really... Some, some people do evangelism. David yeah. is evangelism. I mean, right. he, he he eats, lives, drinks, breathes it. It's not something he does. It's just, just is him. Yeah, who yeah. he is. I've never heard him talk about anything, but evangelism doesn't run through it. A lot of the country you've mentioned um, are, are quite difficult countries for Christians that live there. Christians wanting to go to do things. And I know that's a heart of yours, that you've, you've been very focused on those countries. Um, and sport and music are, are great tools of being able to get into those kinds of places when other more traditional ways that Christians may use to be able to go and evangelize just aren't able to open those doors. Have you found or had any opposition to the work that you're doing in those countries? Well, absolutely. Um you know, in the West, everybody wants a website and everybody wants a billboard and everybody wants a business card and everybody wants to, you know, let everybody know what they're doing, how they're doing it. And, but if you go to the uh, persecuted church region, uh, it's totally the opposite. You want to stay off the grid. You want to stay stealth. Uh, you want to operate in a different uh, mode of operation. So, you know, where, you know, you used to would take in cases of Bibles in that language. Now you're using everything on flash drives or solar powered uh, um, Bibles. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more of a stealth. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's like Iran, you know, you've got the fastest growing church in the world in Iran and it, there's no buildings, there's no budgets, no real leadership. It's, uh, you know, women led primarily Holy Spirit driven and uh, the men are trying to kill Israel and the women are trying to evangelize Israel. It's just uh, the Western church and the persecuted church are just two different animals. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think there's a lot that you've said uh, and you've done a really good job of, of taking principles from athletics and putting that into a, a biblical perspective of, of disciplines that we can learn and put into our daily lives for if people listening I'm sure there's a lot I know there's stuff you've said that I'm like oh you know that's a that's a tough one <laughs> um, thinking about my own life and, and disciplines that could be put in or, or increased um, thank you so much David for taking the time we really appreciate it I know you're crazy busy uh, so thank you so much yeah look forward to seeing you soon yeah, thank you, Daphne. Thank you, uh, Andrew. And I really look forward to you coming to Memphis next week. And hopefully we can uh, do some uh, great uh, ministry opportunities uh, while you're in the Mid-South. Sounds Thanks, good. David. Thank you, David. Bye. God, God bless. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.